Warm word of welcome to you tonight as you come to the gospel service here this evening. We're going to begin with the hymn 430. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? bow together, seek the Lord in prayer. Very conscious tonight that this should have been the, the opening service of the Gospel Mission down in the town hall tonight, and out of a mark of respect, we've postponed the mission. The mission will go ahead, but not from today, and that will now be in four weeks' time, commencing in the will of God on the 9th of October. So we'll still look forward to that time of gospel preaching. Uh, we sent Mervyn down to the, to the town hall tonight just in case there were those that turned up to direct their way here. Let's pray, look to the Lord. You know the circumstances in which we meet and the, the sorrow that has come to our nation and that 
condolence that we passed on both from the church and also on behalf of the presbytery to the royal family this morning. Our eternal God and Father in heaven, we thank you for this day that is set aside by Almighty God from the beginning of days, this one in seven, whereby we can come not only to rest from our labors, but to enter in upon a day that is specially given over to the Lord, that we might meet with him and his people in the house of God. We thank thee for the door that is open for public worship and for this gospel service tonight here on this road. We bless thee afresh for the enjoyment of religious freedom in this land. And we know that it has been handed to us at a costly price. But we can come in like fashion as this. We can meet unhindered. We can meet with liberty. We can proclaim Christ as he is freely offered in the gospel. And we pray that thou will help us to cherish the freedoms that we have and that thou will help us to be faithful to our Savior in all things. He has commissioned us to go into the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news that men do not need to die in their sin, but a door has been opened, opened by Christ by virtue of him coming into the world to be the Savior of men, that sacrifice for sin. We thank you that he went to the cross and laid down his life for his sheep, paid the price in full, Thank thee, the wrath of God was poured out upon him, that we who deserved that wrath of God eternally might go free. We rejoice that we have such a one as the Savior, the mediator, the representative that stood in our place and took our penalty that we deserved. We think of that day when we came in simple childlike faith to embrace the truths of the gospel for that grace that was given to us to turn from sin in repentance and by faith lay hold upon the Savior, the risen, exalted Savior. And Lord, we thank you for the years of our Christian experience and the faithfulness of God to us. And Lord, the many opportunities that we've had to share the message of the gospel, both in a private way, as we have sought to be that witness to others, and in a public fashion, coming to this pulpit, coming to other places like the town hall and meeting houses round about the town in our gospel missions to preach Christ and Him crucified. Indeed, going out into the open air and standing there in the center of our town and other places through the summer to proclaim that there is a Savior from all sin. And Lord, we pray that Your Word, that very powerful, quickening Word, will not fall upon deaf ears, but receptive hearts. And the sinners will be brought to a place of understanding that their hearts will be opened to divine truth, that they will see their sin and flee from it and flee to the one who is the only remedy for their sin, even Christ. Make this such a time, even tonight here, we pray that God will speak. Remember Stephen as he ministers in song tonight. Thank thee for your servant and for these years of study in the college, and we pray that you'll bless him. And as he ministers in song, Lord, touch our hearts with gospel truth.
speak to the unconverted among us. And we come to your word. Lord, we need your power. We need your wisdom in the handling of divine truth. And so we cry to thee afresh for the work of the Spirit, for the Holy Ghost sent down from on high, acknowledging very uh, freely here tonight, without thee we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Once again, we commit the royal family into your care in this time of sorrow, real sorrow, even for a family that comes from a different section of the community than we. And yet, Lord, we know that they're passing through this sad period in their lives. May Jesus himself draw near and go with them and apply his grace to their hearts. We pray that even at such a time as this, that they will realize that there is a Savior, one that they need to turn to if they have not already done so and find as their Savior. Lord, make this a time of of gospel power in the house of Windsor. We pray that you will open their understanding to divine truth. So we pray that you'll bless us, bless every like place tonight, free churches, other faithful gospel preaching churches where the Savior will be proclaimed as the Redeemer of men. Oh, may signs follow the preaching of the word. May there be a sweeping of a great company into the kingdom of Christ, defeat the devil, overthrow the powers of darkness. And Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God will have liberty to work in the hearts of men and women. In Jesus' name we pray, and for Jesus' sake. Amen. We've mentioned you, Stephen, in the opening prayer, and we are glad that you're here tonight. And uh, this was, as we've mentioned, to be the opening night of the mission but circumstances have dictated otherwise. And you're here in Hebron. Uh, feel at home, please, among us. And we'll ask you to come and sing your first message in song. Thank you.
Thank you, Stephen. In welcoming you, we do welcome your wife, and as we say in Northern Ireland, you're Wayne, and uh, we trust that you will be blessed as you fellowship with us. It's always a joy when in gospel singing we are led to the heart of the gospel, and when we're brought to the cross and the fact that the immortal God died for us in the person of Christ it brings joy to the believer's heart. And although we want the unbeliever to really hear that message and to have set before them what it was for Christ, the Holy One, to bear away our sin, yet what a, a thrill, uh, and I say that in the best sense of the word, it brings to the child of God to know that Christ has died for us and paid the price for our sin, that we might go free. I want to take the opportunity to, to bid you welcome in the Lord's great name, and we have always those that are joining us on the internet, and if that's you tonight, welcome to the extended congregation. May you feel very much part of Hebron this evening. Always good to have our sister Noreen with us, and those days will be getting shorter and shorter as her deputation comes to an end, and then she has that night that we've mentioned, and we'll mention again tonight of her farewell, the sending forth service when we say goodbye for another little season. Now, tomorrow is a special uh, service in Balamina Free Church. It's the graduation service of our students. Students will be commencing college again, getting back to their studies. Some will be leaving, and they will graduate. And, of course, that includes Jonathan's story. We're so encouraged to see how the Lord has worked in Jonathan's life bringing him through four years of study successfully and now reaching that place where he can graduate from college and be licensed to preach. And these are important days for him, especially from tomorrow night, because from tomorrow night, 
he's eligible for a call. And you pray that God will direct his way, direct the way of some congregation out there. Uh, there'll be a meeting of minds. That's what we believe in the call of God. A congregation feels exercised to call a man. The man feels exercised to go to that congregation and answer that call. And that brings the two together in the purpose of the Lord. So pray for Jonathan at this time. Pray for our other students as they continue with their studies. They all did very well in their examinations. We're glad to be able to say that tonight. The results were read out of Presbytery on Friday evening. And two of our students from the church here, they were up there in the top number and they received uh, bursaries. And so that, that was greatly encouraging to the elders that were there. But they've all done exceedingly well. And we want to thank you for praying for them and for supporting them through college life. Thursday night at the midweek, we're going to devote our time to remember the royal family. This, as we said this morning, is seismic. What has happened in the nation after such a long reign of 70 years, and our queen now has departed his life, and there's a new monarch on the throne. We want to pray for the nation. We want to pray for the royal family. We want to remember ourselves as a people that in the midst of it all, uh, that God will work and God will be glorified in all that he does. Friday night is the Missionary Council meeting. That will take place in Larne at 8 o'clock. Friday week, the Youth Fellowship will recommence and we just appeal to our young people to remember that. It's your meeting and we trust that you'll be able to set that aside up until the time of the mission and then thereafter, of course. Next Lord's Day, we gather for our season of prayer out here in the fellowship area at 8 o'clock. Good to see the, the numbers that are coming to pray at the start of the Lord's Day. The Lord certainly is working in hearts, and we thank Him for that. Sunday school, 10.30. Again, thankful to the Lord for new children that were at the Sunday school today. Bible class, quarter to 11, and Phil is doing this series in the 23rd Psalm. Pray for us as we come to the regular services, the 12 noon meeting, and then the gospel service at 7. And because the Hebrew and choir were booked for the mission next Sunday evening, they'll be singing here in the will of God. I mentioned to you then Sunday night, the 2nd of October, the sending forth service for Noreen McAfee. Noreen has been home twice. She's done her deputation with a split time in between and she'll be going back in a month's time to the land of her calling to serve God in Uganda. Uh, those that have been there, and quite a few of our young people and youth leaders have been there, you will have good memories of serving the Lord with Noreen during that time of the vocational Bible school. Thank you again sincerely for your ties and your offerings and its building fund today and Missionary Council envelopes next Lord's Day. 268 is our next hymn. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me, how he left his home in glory for the cross on Calvary. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. What a day that's going to be. We enjoy singing now. 
We enjoyed Stephen ministering in song. We'll enjoy other singers as they come over the next couple of Sunday nights and then in the mission time. But it must be a blessed thing to join that choir in heaven with the multitudes that no man can number and sing the praises of the Lamb, singing with the saints in glory. Think of the words of this hymn.
Some of you may have recognized the tune to the first hymn. It's usually sung to Eternal Father, Strong to Save. And you might guess that that came to my mind because of our Queen's passing. That would be correct. It's such a beautiful tune, I knew that the words that are normally sung weren't really suited to a gospel service, so I was pleased to find that it matched with number 155, um, O Love Divine, What Hast Thou Done? And I was meant to say all of that before I sang my first piece, but I was so focused on it and a bit nervous, I just got up and launched straight into it. So if you feel compelled, you can always listen back to it again. And I trust the Lord did bless you through it. I want to sing now a chorus, a hymn that's loved by our youth fellowship, and I'm sure by yours here, there is a higher throne.
Thank you very much, Stephen. May the Lord bless that message and song. Returning to the book of Hebrews tonight in the chapter 9, Hebrews 9, and we're going to read some of these verses together from verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. May God take his word and write it upon every heart. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the ministry and song. It's been a blessing to us. Thank you for your word and this reminder that Christ appeared once in the end of the world to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. We thank you for Calvary. Thank you for that day when cruel hands took him and nailed him to the cross and lifted him up to die. And he became that once and for all sacrifice for our sin. We bless thee that this Savior, as we saw this morning, is coming again. He is the soon coming King. And we're told here, by way of rem reminder, that as we look for him, he shall appear one day. And he's coming this second time without sin unto salvation. We look forward to that day. We anticipate it. Very conscious that there are those that are not ready for that day. They're still out of Christ. They're in their sin. The sin that condemns them to everlasting hell for all of God's eternity. And it is for these dear ones that we pray just now in the presentation of the gospel that you will help them to, to listen to your word and sit up and pay attention with the background, the circumstances of the nation at this time. We believe that God is speaking. And you have something to say to our hearts tonight. And so speak on, blessed Spirit of God, and give this preacher the help that he needs for Jesus' sake. Amen. We announced that we wanted to speak on the subject, death, and appointment for all. And just to take for our text tonight the words of verse 27, where we are reminded it is appointed unto men wants to die. On Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m., the headlines in our media broke the sad news that our queen of 96 years of age had died. Queen Elizabeth II enjoyed a long and a happy reign of 70 years, more than any of her predecessors and any other monarch in history. 
You see, serve this nation and commonwealth with distinction, with honor, faithfulness, dedication, and impartiality. With the passing of our queen, the elders posted a message of sympathy to the House of Windsor. Just want to read this message, just in case you're not on social media and you missed it. The session committee and congregation of Hebron Free Presbyterian Church wish to express our sincere sympathy to the entire royal family on the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. It has been a privilege for us all to live during her reign. She will be greatly missed by our nation, but most keenly by her immediate family. We pray that the members of the royal household will know the grace and help of the God of all comfort over the coming days. You'll also know that our presbytery officers very quickly issued a message of condolence to the royal family, and it is as follows. It is with the most profound sadness that we, the officers, elders, members, and friends of the Free Presbyterian Church of Ulster, have learned of the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. She was the inspiration of many and an example to all. We acknowledge the goodness of God toward her in sparing her to reign over us for these past 70 years. We thank God for her unfailing dedication to her duties as queen. We recognize the Lord's grace in assisting her to undertake those responsibilities. We bow to the Lord's wisdom in taking her from us at this time. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, Job 1, verse 21. As a denomination, we wish to assure the royal family of our prayers. Scripture commands us so to do. May the members of the royal household know the grace and assistance of the one who is described as the God of all comfort, 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3. We call on all people of the realm to consider that in the words of Scripture, we must needs die, 2 Samuel 14, verse 14. As death has come to her majesty, so it will come to us all. However, in the death of Queen Elizabeth, a human sovereign, we are reminded of the death of the great sovereign, the Lord Jesus Christ. He, the Son of God and the perfect man, laid down his life at Calvary, on behalf of sinners to pay the price of sin. Those who receive him through repentance and faith, he provides eternal life. At this time of mourning, the death of her majesty, we appeal to men and women to consider their own mortality and make that most necessary preparation for the great eternity. And that comes from the officers of presbytery, Reverend John Armstrong, our moderator, Reverend Samuel Murray, our Deputy Moderator, and the Reverend John Greer, our Clerk of Presbytery. As I thought of that statement, I thought of that last little part. It just seemed to strike a chord in my heart as I thought of the nation, I thought of this gospel service, I thought about you, where it says we appeal to men and women to consider their own mortality and make that most necessary preparation for the great eternity. A short time 
after the announcement of the Queen's death, we conducted our regular midweek meeting, our prayer meeting and Bible study. We entered that service with heavy hearts. We sympathized publicly with the royal family and offered prayer, as those of you will remember, on Thursday night. It is with great sadness that we mourn the passing of our Queen, who, who reigned with such dignity. Seventy years she was the sovereign of this nation. In fact, at her ascension in 1952, Elizabeth became the monarch and head of state of seven independent states. Some of these you will know, some perhaps not, but they are the United Kingdom, of course, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Pakistan, and Ceylon. 96 years in this world. She enjoyed a long life, comparatively speaking. If you compare that with most people, and certainly I think of those that I know who have come to the end of the journey, friends, family, congregation, through the course of my ministry, and there's not too many of them reached over the 80 mark. So comparatively, when we think of so many others that have left this world, we have to say that our queen had a good long life in this world. Of course, it is also true to say that these 96 years were really a short life compared to eternity. Very difficult for us to make such a comparison or a contrast. We, we live in time, the boundaries of time. We are used to the beginning of days, the end of life being that, that short period of time, and then to try to compare it with the great expanse of eternity. You can't measure it in years. There, there's no such thing as time in eternity. But we, we do try to help our understanding by speaking in such terms as, as in the millions and millions and millions of years to come as we try to imagine and understand what eternity must be. And so when we make that comparison or that contrast, then we have to say that Queen Elizabeth had a very short life indeed. It's just like a drop of water in the oceans of this world when you make that comparison with eternity. Truly life at best, it's very brief. There is, however, something to note which is of immense importance. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II arrived at that moment which all men must face, and that's death. Our gracious Queen had to die. Wealth, riches, honor, Position, popularity, fame, reputation, kindness. No, the best doctors and skilled physicians could not stop our queen dying. Why? Because of what we've read in God's Word tonight. Because it is appointed unto men, unto women, once to die. It's God's appointment. At this gospel service tonight, that should have been the, the first meeting of our Platinum Jubilee mission. We were doing this mission in connection with the 70 years of Her Majesty's reign. 
and that mission was to take place in the town hall. So at this gospel service tonight, I think it's most appropriate to deal with this solemn fact. We must die. Queen, pauper, rich, poor, old, young, high society and low society, religious and irreligious, British, Irish, English, Scottish, Welsh, European, African, Indian, Chinese, whatever nation a person might be from, whatever color, creed, or country, there is an appointment that every one of us must keep. And I'm just asking you in the close of this service tonight just to sit up for these minutes and listen. Please listen and learn. Learn from the Scriptures tonight about this appointment that all of us must keep, the appointment of death. And here's the very simple things that I want to say to you tonight and to those that are listening in. First of all, I want you to think about the reality of death. Here's a reality that, that faces every one of us every day. Death is real. Death is certain. I must die. You must die. All the members of your family must die. Your closest friends must die. Your distant neighbor must die. Your enemy must die. All men must die because it is appointed unto man once to die. Think of the patriarch Job, what he said in Job 30 and verse 23. He says, I know, I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. We know that there was many things in his life that Job didn't understand and he didn't know in the midst of the trial that he was going through. There were many things in the future that he didn't understand either or he couldn't predict. But with this one thing in his mind, he was certain about it. I know that thou will bring me to death. I'm going to die someday, said the patriarch. And he proclaimed this reality that each one of us can declare. You can say these words tonight. I know that thou will bring me to death. I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know how this week will unfold or how my plans will change. Tomorrow is shrouded in a veil of secrecy in many ways. Likewise, the future with, with all your plans and your dreams and your ambitions. You don't know where you'll be in a year's time. Really, you don't know where you'll be tomorrow, if we're honest, but thinking away ahead, you don't know where you'll be a year from now. You don't know how the economy is going to fare for you in your circumstances. You don't know how it will be with your health or with your family circumstances. You can, you can ask those who have been to hospital recently, Brother Iber, who got home uh, this afternoon, and our, our sister Jean as well. If you go back just a couple of weeks ago, they certainly could not have predicted what was going to happen to them and how their circumstances were going to change. Those things were really hidden from you. But we know that we're going to die. 
That's a reality. This reality stares us in the face every day. The obituary columns are never empty. Whether you pick up the newsletter or the Belfast Telegraph or the local paper, whether it's the Chronicle of the Times, you'll see there every week and in the daily papers every day the obituary columns proclaiming the reality of death, that men are dying every day in this province of ours. The cemeteries proclaim the same truth, the reality of death. And we have it just across the road. It may not as be, it may not be as stark for you as it is for me, but Susan and I, our family, we live right beside a place where almost every day a funeral is taking place and we see the hearse go by, the undertaker, the, the mourners, the, the coffin, it's all just reminding us that death is a reality. The empty seat is a reminder. That family one, that, that family member, that dear one that, that sat there in that seat, they're gone now. And you're face to face with the reality in your own home. Or the knock that comes to the door, the unexpected news that, that your loved one has, has died suddenly at work or, or traveling to their place of business, the reality of death. When I see Andrew McMullen's name appearing on my phone as it sometimes does, he's usually ringing me to tell me someone has died, has passed away. As a pastor, if it's somebody in the congregation, I'll generally know about it. But if not, and it's maybe uh, someone that has to be involved in the funeral, he's there to tell me, can you take this funeral? As happened just the other day. The reality of death. All these things are telling us it's certain. I want you to think about the universality of death. There are some things that we have in common. There are many things, of course, that we do not have in common our personalities. They're all different, aren't they? Philip Calderwood there is very outgoing. And the pastor here, he's shy and backward. As, as you know, we, we think of our looks. We all look different. So just an amazing thing, no matter how many people come to the church, they're all different. I, I see you at the door and I recognize you because you have your own distinct appearance. And if that is so just for our weak congregation, think of what it is for the over 7 billion people in this world. Everyone has their own distinct appearance. We're all different in our looks. We have different homes. We have different families, different jobs, different schools for the young people, different friends, different pastimes, different employments, different fears. As we family came into the church car park just last evening and, and just at that time there happened to be a cat. Uh, the cats like to visit uh, the church. They don't come into the church but they like to visit the car park and one just happened to come in and the, the lady she said, oh I am so terrified of cats. And then of course others, they're your favorite pet. You see we're so different in even the fears that we have. Different in, in where you like to sit in church in the pew, not right? You find your place, you like the angle, whatever it is. Uh, you, you think I look better this side, so you sit there. You think I look better that side, so you sit there. That's not the reason at all. But you know, we are so different in so many ways. But we all have a common day of birth 
and we all have a common day of death. There's a day that we enter the world and there's a day that we're going to leave this world because death is universal. You think of Samuel, 2 Samuel 14 and verse 14, one of the, the verses mentioned in the condolences from our presbytery where it states, for we must all needs die, or we must needs die, and are as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person. It's the story of Job fetching the wise woman from Tekoa, conniving behind the, the back of King David with this plan to bring Absalom home back to the palace. It is in conversation with the king that the woman makes the statement of our text, for we must needs die. And when I started to quote it the first time, I put the word all in, and the word all is understood there. And we could read it like that, for we must all needs die. God does not respect any person, king or queen, preacher, member of the church. It's appointed, you see, unto men once to die. Paul declared to the Roman church in Romans 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, wherefore death passed upon what? All men. It's passed, it's universal. No matter what age we are, no matter what family we come from, no matter what our health status might be, no matter what our riches are, no matter how religious we might be, you might be the best free Presbyterian. You might be connected to the, the highest and the most honorable family in this world. Our beloved queen at 96 came to this moment of death. And so must we because it's universal. Can I speak just for a moment on the inescapability of death? Here's something that you cannot escape. You can't avoid it. You can't dodge it by any means. There's no hiding place when the death angel comes knocking. When God says your time is up, there's absolutely nothing that you can do. You can call for the pastor and get the preacher to, to pray with you. You can gather the best doctors and consultants and employ their skills. You can get all the money that you have, all the wealth that you have, and, and seek to, to buy more time. But it will be useless if that's your appointed moment, your appointed day. And that moment for your departure has arrived and God is saying in a very definite way, this is the day of your departure. You're going to leave this life now. Here's what Solomon, the wise king said in Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 8. There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power or authority in the day of death. You are made up of body and soul. Or if you're a trichotomist, 
a body, soul, and spirit. God is saying through his servant that come what may, when your appointed moment for departure arrives, there's nothing that you can do. That you don't have the power, you don't have the authority. You, you may try the best that you can to, to hold on to that soul when it's departing from your body. But you'll soon discover that that is an impossible task. You cannot retain the Spirit when your earthly body comes to, to breathe for the last time and that breath expires, your soul will take its flight from its earthly tabernacle and there's nothing that you can do to stop that. The inescapability of death. Call up the army, if you may. Bring in the reinforcements. Summons the doctors and the nurses to your bedside, if you can. Enlist the support of your family who love you most. Mobilize the pastor. Get God's people to pray. But I'll tell you this, if it's your appointed moment for death, it has been decreed from all eternity, and you must go, and you'll be like what we read tonight, the water spilt in the ground that cannot be gathered up again. Queen died on Thursday evening. I was in the assembly with the children here at the church. We, we come in on a Friday morning just to this area. It's kind of a special uh, assembly for them because they, they get to sit in these seats and we have a little time of singing. But I wanted to urge upon the hearts of the children in light of the departure of the queen that they too must die. And we quoted that verse in the message that we brought to them. And we asked them, did you ever spill water? A number of hands went up, spilled it in their bedroom and the carpet and maybe spilled it in the kitchen, wherever. And I says, do you think you would be able to gather up that water? And they all realized that that was an impossible thing to do, to gather it all up again and put it back into the, into the glass or into the cup. It's coming a day, and this is the picture that's presented to us, that we're going to die, and we're going to be like water spilled on the ground that cannot be gathered up again. You see, my friends, death is inescapable. What about the finality of death? Death is a very final thing as far as this world is concerned. Upon death, a man finishes completely in this life, never to return again. He says goodbye to everything he knows, his friends, his family, his wealth, his prosperity, his business, his community, even his church life. The place that knows us now will one day know us no longer. <coughs> Our influences may live on and continue to speak and have an effect and I trust that it will, especially if we've lived well and we've given that good example to others that that influence will live on. But death brings finality to you and me. Can I say this to you tonight in, in light of this fact? If you have anything to say to anyone of great importance, it's better that you say it now because when you come to die and you depart this life, you'll not 
obviously have the opportunity. If you have something to put right, you're maybe at odds with a family member, maybe even some family member in the church, some brother or sister in Christ, it's better you put that right now before death comes. If you have ambitions to fulfill, if you have some dear on converted one that needs to be spoken to, do it now. For the moment that you enter the portals of death, there's no coming back because our departure brings finality. Indeed, if you're a sinner without Christ, undone and unready and unfit for the kingdom of God, you make sure that you flee to Christ for death is final and there's no retracing your steps. There's no more chances, no more chances after death. When you die, it's it, it's final. And that brings me on to what I want to say next, the eternity at death. Death is not the end, it's the end of this life. There's a great finality, as we've said, for you and me, as far as the world is concerned, we leave it all behind. But death is not the end. Death is just the beginning. It is the entrance into the realm of the everlasting, everlasting life. If you are blood-bought and blood-washed, if you've been to Jesus for the cleansing power, an everlasting death in the lake of fire forever if you die as a lost soul. Eternity, eternity. Where will you be in eternity? Eternity. I wish that this word with all its truth and solemnity and awakening power would grip your heart and your soul just now would fix itself upon your mind and your conscience, would be indelibly inscribed in blazing letters before your eyes every day that you live, every moment that you take a breath. Eternity. Eternity. Oh, what a word of infinite gravity and seriousness. It is forever. Can you imagine that? Can you grasp it even just a little Death ushers your soul into eternity. The queen lived until 96. What is that compared to eternity? Well, we said early, earlier, nothing, nothing. Moses lived until he was 120 years of age. And again, nothing when you compare it to eternity the oldest man in the world from those antediluvian days reached the amazing age of 969. But even then, as we said earlier, it's just like a drop of water in the oceans of this world. You will continue forever in eternity. There's no finish line there. There's no coming to the end of that duration. It's literally forever and forever and forever. A million years will pass by and eternity will be as fresh and as new as it ever was. And that, of course, brings terrible consequences 
for the sinner because out of Christ you're doomed and you're damned forevermore and your eternity is the lake of fire. Eternity. Think about it. And just as I conclude tonight, there is the profitability of death, but it's narrowed down to just the believer. Listen to the testimony of the great missionary preacher. Philippines chapter 1, verse 21. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's gain. It's profit all the way. It's only the child of God who can truly say with confidence what David said in the 23rd Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And David looked ahead to that time when he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It was well with David when he came to die, as it will be well for every redeemed child of God. Oh, we're going by and by to the palace of a king. Glory to God, hallelujah. One day the angels will carry me and you as a believer like they did with the beggar Lazarus into the arms of a savior. Why? Because I was better than anybody else? No. Because I was a preacher, the pastor of this congregation? No. Because I was a free Presbyterian? No. Oh, no, 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 a thousand times no, simply because I am Christ's and he is mine. There was a day when the transaction took place and I became the Lord's in his mercy and grace. I was eternally joined to Christ in a union that cannot be broken and it's all through his amazing grace. It's profit all the way for the child of God to glory. We're going to see the king one day. We're going to be in the presence of our king one day. And we're going to enjoy the delights of glory for eternity, forever and ever and ever. How is it with you tonight? With your soul, your immortal soul, your soul that will never die? Answer that just for your sinning. Answer it honestly. And in light of the fact, if you're not ready and you've got an honest heart and you realize that the scripture reminds you that you're, you're doomed and you're damned forever without Christ, will you not come to the Savior? Will you not flee to him? Will you not do it right now? I pray that you will for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II has died, and it's a reminder to us that we must die. It doesn't matter about nobility or wealth or status in this life. It doesn't matter if everything in the outward appearance is going for us as far as the earth is concerned, we're going to die, and we need to be ready for death. And if we're going to enjoy this profitability at death, then we need to know Christ. And there are some here, and they do not. They're strangers to your grace. 
the light of Christ without a Savior. Lord, we pray at this time of national mourning, at this time when we've been brought face to face with the reality of death in the monarch of our country, may men and women be taught of God to, to number their own days and to be wise, to apply their hearts to wisdom. And for the sinner, we know that that means getting right with God. May they do that tonight. Should there be those in our midst without the Savior or listening in, bring them to Christ. Save their soul. We pray this sincerely and earnestly for Jesus' sake. Amen. Closing hymn is be in time. Life at best is very brief, like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf. Be in time. Fleeting days are telling fast that the die will soon be cast and the fatal line be passed. You need to be in time. Will you not heed this tonight and be in time? We'll stand as we sing the closing hymn.
we can help you, we're here. And we say that most weeks don't go away without the Saviour. We would love to have the opportunity to speak to you, point you in the way of the cross, for it is the way of the cross that leads home. Heavenly Father, may men and women and young people be in time. May they heed what God is saying tonight to their soul from his word. Even in the circumstances that we find ourselves in in the nation, Lord, we know you've been speaking. Speak on. Let your word prosper in the hearts of sinners. Let your word do your people good as well. And as we leave the house of God this evening, may we have a very conscious sense of the presence of God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.